Objections Overruled 1 and 2 audiobooks are produced by Lutheran Public Radio and are made possible with support from listeners like you. You can contribute to the production of future audiobooks at issuesetc.org support. Look for Objections Overruled 3 in December of 2023. The Deity of Christ was an early church innovation. Stephen R.J. Parks For different reasons, it is often asserted that Jesus was not God or did not claim to be God. Christians have believed that Jesus was God based on Jesus' own words from the time of his life on earth. Early Christian confessions of the divinity of Jesus include second-century writings from Ignatius and Polycarp and the Council of Nicaea in 325. Jesus, as God incarnate, has power to save. Who do you say that I am? Matthew chapter 16, verse 15. This was the all-important question Jesus asked his apostles as they traveled through the region of Caesarea Philippi. It remains among the most important of all queries one may make today. Peter's immediate response to Jesus informs the pattern for the confession of all Christians around the world. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Since this time, the acknowledgement of Jesus as the Son of God has been fundamental to the apostolic message and the Christian understanding of Jesus. Historically, Christians have understood the title Son of God to mean that Jesus is God himself. Therefore, as the Nicene Creed asserted, referring to Jesus as the Son of God is the same as calling him true God. The Athanasian Creed, written approximately a century later, boldly claimed concerning this understanding of Jesus, Whosoever wants to be saved must, above all, hold the Catholic faith. Whoever does not keep it whole and inviolate will doubtless perish eternally. Thus, the identity of Jesus was of utmost importance to ancient Christians and should remain so for us today. Some in our day, however, have suggested that identifying Jesus as God is a grave error. Many argued that Jesus was just a human being and nothing more. A modern-day example of those who argue this is the influential book titled Holy Blood, Holy Grail. Its authors assert a grand conspiracy theory that the idea that Jesus is God was a theological innovation concocted at the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D., This idea entered the mainstream when it was adapted into the popular work of fiction The Da Vinci Code, written by Dan Brown. Brown's novel not only topped the bestseller charts, but was also made into a blockbuster Hollywood film. Others have rejected the idea that Jesus is only an ordinary human being, while still maintaining that Jesus is not God himself. For example, the Jehovah's Witnesses argue that Jesus is, in reality, the Archangel Michael. The Christian belief that Jesus is God, they contend, was fabricated in the 4th century, again at the Council of Nicaea. The Jehovah's Witnesses come to a decidedly different conclusion regarding the genuine identity of Jesus than the authors mentioned in the above paragraph. But all contend that the doctrine of the deity of Christ, that is, that Jesus is God himself, was an innovation foisted upon the church. This, they believe, came from the bishops present at Nicaea and was not believed by ancient Christians or taught in the original documents of the New Testament. Many others have made similar claims. What did Christians living prior to the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD believe about Jesus? 
This matter is of utmost importance. The reality is that Christians have always believed that Jesus is God. While they used varied terminology to express this truth, the deity of Christ was by no means a theological novelty conjured up in the 4th century. Even a casual perusal of our earliest set of post-biblical Christian documents reveals that, long before the Council of Nicaea, Christians believed that Jesus is God. While space does not permit a more comprehensive examination of these writings, a couple of examples from some of the earliest Christian writers should demonstrate that they believed in the deity of Christ. Ignatius, who died approximately A.D. 110, is said to have been a disciple of the Apostle John and was reported to have been ordained by the Apostles themselves. References to the identity of Jesus as God abound in his writings. Ignatius refers to the Savior as Jesus Christ our God, our God Jesus the Christ, and our God Jesus Christ, among other divine titles. Such grandiose language would equate to blasphemy if Jesus were not truly God. When addressing the coming of Jesus, Ignatius refers to it as the time when God appeared in the likeness of man unto newness of everlasting life. When did God appear in such a way? When Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Ignatius notes that the blood of Jesus is not that of a mere mortal, but instead the blood of God. Similarly, when writing to the enlightened Christians in Smyrna, he notes, I give glory to Jesus Christ, the God who bestowed such wisdom upon you. Ignatius not only recognized Jesus as the source of true wisdom, but he identified Christ as God himself. Polycarp, who died approximately A.D. 155, was a bishop in the church at Smyrna and was likewise a disciple of the Apostle John. In exhorting the Smyrnians to live a godly life, Polycarp wrote, Now may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and the eternal High Priest himself, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, build you up in faith and truth, who shall believe on our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, and on his Father that raised him from the dead. Polycarp observes two things about the nature of Jesus. First, that Jesus has no beginning. Polycarp refers to him as the eternal high priest. If Jesus is not God, how could he be eternal? All beings except God have a beginning and are therefore not eternal. Polycarp, however, notes that Jesus is eternal. Why? Because, second, our eternal high priest, the Son of God, is our Lord and God. If the deity of Christ was a fabrication foisted upon Christians at a 4th century council, how could these men so clearly identify Jesus as God centuries before Nicaea? Why did Ignatius, Polycarp, and so many others immediately identify Jesus as God? The New Testament explicitly says that Jesus is the Son of God. What, however, does Son of God mean in reference to Jesus in the New Testament? Are we intended to understand Jesus as the Son of God in the same way that angels are sometimes referred to as sons of God? Job chapter 38 verse 7. Or perhaps is Jesus said to be the Son of God in the same way that believers are called sons of God? Galatians chapter 3 verse 26. The New Testament prevents us from placing Jesus into the same category as angels or human beings as fellow sons of God by repeatedly applying the term only begotten to Jesus. 
The Greek term is monogenes, which literally means being the only one of its kind in a specific relationship. In essence, the term refers to the exclusive and unique nature of Jesus. He alone is the only begotten Son of God because he alone possesses the same nature as his Father, the very nature of God. In ancient Hebrew culture, to say that a person is the son of something is to say that the person has the nature of that thing. In the New Testament, for example, James and John are referred to as the sons of thunder, Mark chapter 3, verse 17, because of their thunderous natures or dispositions. When Jesus claimed to be the unique Son of God in the way he did, he was claiming to possess the same divine nature as his Father. The Jews in Jesus' day clearly understood this. In John chapter 5, for example, Jesus heals a man who had been suffering with paralysis. The man, following Jesus' instructions, takes up the bed on which he had been lying in order to walk home. The Jews see the man carrying his bed and are angered because they perceive him to be working on the Sabbath. The Jews then confront Jesus to ask why he told the man to carry his bed on the Sabbath. Jesus responds, My father is working until now, and I am working. This immediately enrages them, and they seek to kill Jesus. Why? The text tells us. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. John chapter 5, verse 18. How was Jesus making himself equal with God? by calling God his Father, and thereby claiming to possess the same divine nature as his Father. The Jews understood this, so did the apostles, which is why we so often read of them referring explicitly to Jesus as God. For example, in opening his gospel, the apostle John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John chapter 1, verses 1 and 14. There is little doubt that this only Son from the Father is Jesus. Yet this same Jesus is said to be the person of the Word who became flesh. The very same person is with God the Father, and also is himself God, that is, he possesses the same divine nature as his Father. Thus John identifies Jesus as God. Jesus does the same concerning himself. In John chapter 8, he is contending with the religious leaders of his day concerning his identity. The Jews explicitly ask Jesus, Who do you make yourself out to be? His final response is recorded for us. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. John chapter 8, verse 58. His opponents again become irate and seek to kill him. Why? They believed Jesus was committing blasphemy. In Exodus chapter 3, when Moses is being commissioned by Almighty God to deliver his people from slavery in Egypt, Moses asks God to tell him his name. The response given by God is, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Exodus chapter 3 verse 14. When Jesus claimed the divine title, I am, the Jews rightly understood him as claiming to be God. This is why they attempted to stone him for blasphemy. All of the apostles and their disciples understood Jesus' claims. 
It's why Thomas confessed Jesus to be my Lord and my God, John chapter 20, verse 28, after his resurrection from the dead. It's why Titus calls him our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, Titus chapter 2, verse 13. It's why Peter refers to him as our God and Savior Jesus Christ, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. It's why Paul affirms Jesus as Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever, Romans chapter 9, verse 5. It's why the apostles worshipped him, Matthew chapter 14, verse 33. And it's what the apostles meant when they referred to Jesus as Lord, Philemon, verse 11. In their minds and in their writings, there is no ambiguity. Jesus is God. Why does all of this matter? Is it all just theological hair-splitting? In a word, no. The Apostle Paul once warned, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 34. Presenting Jesus as anything other than God quite simply presents a different Jesus and therefore a different gospel. Only the real Jesus, God himself in human flesh, can give us the real gospel, and only the real gospel has the power to save. A false Jesus can only give us a false gospel, and a false gospel has no power to save.